This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Breakfast Benz podcast. Tim Benz with you in advance of Steelers and Jags at Akershire Stadium. The Steelers back at home for the first of three games in a row after the Jacksonville Jaguars come through on Sunday. It's a Thursday night game against Tennessee. And then the Green Bay Packers are in town before the Steelers get back in division with road games against the Browns and Bengals. Right now to talk about it, uh, he's been on the show before to talk about the Jags. From News 4 Jackson is Jamal St. Cyr. Jamal, thanks a lot for taking time to join us again. How you been? I've been good. How are you doing? Excellent. I remember the old days when Jaguars-Steelers trash talk was right in your face. Mean, nasty, obvious. Le'Veon Bell talking about playing the Patriots before they played the Jaguars. The Jags yelling back at Mike Mitchell, Leonard Fournette in everybody's face. Those were the good old days. Now we've got this, like passive-aggressive thing going on between the secondary of the Jaguars and George Pickens. These little sort of like backhanded darts that they're throwing at each other. What's been made of that down in Jacksonville? Yeah, there's a little bit going on back and forth. I think this, the secondary kind of started. I think Trayvon Walker, who's really good friends with George Pickens, may have stirred the pot a little bit because, I, I, you know, I guess him and George talk. And he said, you know, most Sundays he roots for George to catch all the passes. But this week, he doesn't want to see him catch anything. So he had been talking to the secondary guys, and that may have got them going. And then George throwing out the hope defense thing. So it's, it's a little bit of a back and forth. Not really that, like, direct that you, that you like that, that they used to have, right? 
Yeah, exactly, which is, you know, anti what I'm used to from these two organizations. So much has changed since then, and uh, the faces have changed, the players have changed for sure, especially on Jacksonville's side. There are still some holdovers from Pittsburgh, but not many. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see how the game goes because it's been a very close series, 14-13 in favor of Jacksonville. The games are usually close, uh, unless Jacksonville comes in and blows them out like they did in the playoffs or twice in 2017, for that matter. Um, but this game, to me, it's a tough one to pick. Jacksonville coming here as a road favorite is interesting. Mike Tomlin's great as an underdog. I think they've won seven of their last eight as underdogs. What's the vibe there about whether or not the Jags should win this up in Pittsburgh? Yeah, this one was a tough one for me to pick, too. Um, this is a team that you never re still really know what you're going to get from week to week. They've been on this nice run the past few games where it's kind of starting to click. But, I mean, they had a stinker against the Texans that wasn't that far removed. So this is a tough game. And, you know, the Steelers are always a tough team uh, to play, especially in Pittsburgh. And they know they're going into a tough environment and have to play a really good football game if they're going to find a way to escape there with a win. Um, so, look, I, this is tough. This is one of those games where you kind of feel like they need to win it. I think last week all the guys were talking about how uh, after the Thursday night game they had that the extra days off are only enjoyable if they if they get a win right before. So they're kind of trying to figure out if they can do the same thing to make the bye week they have coming right behind it a little bit more enjoyable, but they know they're going to have a fight on their hands. Back to the whole back and forth between Pickens and the secondary. Not only is it interesting from that standpoint, but I also think that's a really key matchup. Like, for instance, when Pickens refers to Jacksonville as a hope defense, at least in the secondary anyway, after he praised the front seven, is that an accurate description? Do you, do you get what he means by that? And is that the right way to look at Jacksonville's defense in the secondary? So what's funny is when he described it that way, I think that's the complete flip from how everybody down here kind of feels about the defense. The strength of this defense, at least in, in most opinions, around here is that the secondary is the better unit and the, the front, the pass rush is, is where the hope is. They hope that someone can get to the quarterback outside of Josh Allen. The Jaguars have nothing when it comes to pass rush. Nobody's been getting the job done. It's Josh Allen or bust. And in the secondary, uh, Tyson Campbell, who is a former Georgia Bulldog, I'm sure Pickens knows him pretty well. If he goes this week, he's still dealing with a hamstring. Um, he's an ascending corner. He's really good. I'm sure Pickens would see a lot of him. Darius Williams, since he uh, got to Jacksonville and they started playing him at outside corner, he's been playing lights out. I think he had three straight games with an interception at one point this season, so he's been playing really well as well. Andre Sisco has a couple of interceptions already this year and has been play playing good football. I'd say the strength of this defense has been the secondary. There have been some, a few gaps along the way. Um, with some missing communications, and that's been only the the real only big plays that the secondary's given up this year. So I'd almost flip what he said. I'd say the, the weakness is maybe that defensive line group, and the strength is the secondary. But I, I get where you're coming from when it's a defense that kind of relies on takeaways. That's kind of been their thing, is they find a way to get their hands on a football that he's saying they hope they get that turnover. Interesting, because you're kind of speaking to one of the dichotomies that Steelers fans have had in what Jenkins said earlier this week about Pickens, which is, yeah, he's had a really good season. He's a good player. He's got 18.5 yards per reception, but he hasn't seen our corners yet. So, you know, people in Pittsburgh looked it up and they saw Jacksonville as the 31st ranked pass defense, but then they also saw 
The amount of interceptions, I think it's nine now, second most in the National Football League. Um, the yards per completion, or per attempt anyway, I think Jacksonville's right in the middle. And if you look at the amount of attempts that people have had to throw against them, maybe that's part of the reason why they're the 31st ranked pass defense, because they've faced more throws than I believe anybody else in the National Football League. So what is the most true indication of where Jacksonville's pass defense is? Is it the complimentary numbers like the picks and the yards per completion, which is pretty menial for the amount of times that they've been thrown against, or is it the pure yardage? I'd say it's the interceptions and yards per, per play. Uh, you got to keep in mind the Jaguars have played with a lead most of the season outside of that, that uh, really bad game against the Texans and uh, a, a dogfight they were in with the Kansas City Chiefs. So teams have been throwing the ball against them trying to play catch-up. In Buffalo, you know, they're going to put up some yards. They had a really quick drive. The Saints did the same thing. Saints ran a bunch of plays uh, just a week ago and on Thursday night football against the Jags. Um, so, yeah, they've given up some yardage when you start looking at the totals, but teams have been throwing the ball because the strength of that front seven that the Jags have is stopping the run. Um, like I said earlier, the pass rushes where I see the hope. They hope Josh Allen gets there because if not, nobody is. But all their guys, if I, if I sat here and named all the guys the Jaguars are going to start on the front seven, you said, is he a pass rusher or a run stopper? Most of them, I'm going to say, oh, he's really good at stopping the run. That's where they've made their bones. That's what they always say. I think the, the phrase uh, that echoes through their locker room is they got to stop the run so they can have fun. Um, so, look, they, they want to be a run-stopping team, which then forces teams into the pass, and they end up with a lot of attempts going against them. So there, there have been a few like miscommunications in the secondary where guys have just stopped. They thought they were doing different things. They gave up huge plays. But the secondary, in my opinion, is the, is the strength of that defense. And it's much more the total numbers are just because of the sheer number of attempts they've seen. Jamal Sincere with us from Channel 4 in Jacksonville as we get ready for Jaguars Steelers at Akersher Stadium. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Calvin Ridley, a bit of a mystery to me. I see all the targets and receptions and yardage going to Ingram and going to Kirk. Uh, where is Ridley right now in the offense? So defenses have been doing a good job of shading and doubling and, and doing things to throw coverages his way. Um, and the way the Jaguars are going to operate, and Doug Peterson has said this multiple times, look, if they want to double Calvin, that's fine. We're going to go somewhere else. Um, so they don't feel the need to force it. Calvin is by, I mean, by far a, a immensely talented receiver. They love what he's doing. He's confident. He's in a good place. I think we talked to him earlier this week. He said, look, as long as we win in football games, I don't care. He said, numbers aren't that important to me. Defenses are, are doing things and it's opening up stuff for my teammates to be able to be successful. So I'm helping the offense, maybe not in the way he wants to, but he's helping in that form or fashion. So it's not that Calvin's doing anything wrong. It's not that him and Trevor aren't on the same page. It's that over the first couple of years of Trevor's career, he was forcing passes like that to guys that were in double coverage and making some of those bad throws. And one of the things that Doug Peterson has really preached to him and pushed is like, if it's not there, go somewhere else. And basically that's what Trevor's doing. Last week, the Saints – threw a lot of different coverages toward Calvin. So Trevor just went to Christian Kirk. He went to Evan Ingram. And that's what's happened a lot this season. Uh, the other part of it is that Zay Jones, who's going to be out on Sunday, is a big part of the Jaguars' offense. And that opens up things for Calvin Ridley when he's out there on the field. So the Jaguars don't really have a good solution to replace him. 
and he's missed time this season. All of Calvin's big games have been when Zay Jones was also out on the field. And that's not a coincidence. It's just the role that Zay plays in the offense. I know he's not maybe the flashy name that people talk about a lot, but he does a lot of good things to clear out and open up things for a guy like Calvin Ridley. How's the pass protection been, particularly the tackle play as they get ready to face Highsmith and Watt? Oh, man. Uh, it, the offensive line has been a work in progress this season. They're finally trying to get to a point where it maybe stabilizes. There's been a lot of shuffling. Cam Robinson missed the first four games with a suspension, so he's just kind of finally getting back into the groove of things at the left tackle spot. Anton Harrison's a rookie on the right side, and, you know, rookies make rookie mistakes. They like Anton a lot, but uh, they left him alone against Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, Chris Jones welcomed him to the NFL in a way that hurt the Jaguars. So uh, those rookie mistakes happen. And so he's still learning and kind of getting there. Brandon Sheriff's dealt with a couple of ankle injuries this year at guard. Um, they lost Walker Little, who was starting at left tackle, and they moved him at guard. Uh, he might be back this week. Um, they're still waiting to see, but I don't think he's going to end up playing ultimately. So they're rolling with Tyler Shatley. The offensive line's been like a, a puzzle. They've been trying to figure it out. So it's been a little shaky. Those tackles, we'll see. I, I wouldn't expect them to leave Anton Harrison alone with T.J. Watt too often after they learn their lesson of trying to do that against the Chiefs. I I don't think they're going to do that much. So I'd say they're going to send a lot of help his way. Jamal St. Cyr, final moments with him. You can also listen to him at the News 4 Jags podcast. Okay, Jamal, I'll wrap up with this. And it's sort of a big picture question. And it's kind of having to do with the place of the Jaguars right now in the hierarchy of the AFC as opposed to where we might have seen them at the start of the season. Frankly, they're about where I thought they would be. I always thought that Jacksonville was a decent team, maybe not a great team, but good enough to win the South and maybe good enough to win the South comfortably to the point that they could be a two or a three seed. Um, I'm not sure if they're playing to that level, but it's progressing that way, at least in the standings. Yeah, they should win the South. Um, The Texans might give them a little bit of a run since they're a little bit better than folks expected, but the Jaguars should be in the playoffs from winning the division alone and being in a bad division, like you said, that should afford them the ability to be maybe a two or three seed, which would be great for their chances. Look right now, like the defense has been the reason they've won football games this year. And going into the year, I think everybody was thinking, oh, the offense is going to be fine. They got Calvin Ridley. They got Christian Kirk. They got Evan Ingram. Trevor Lawrence is going to do that. They haven't been putting up those points. The offense has been the work in progress while the defense has been out there playing lights out, getting turnovers left and right and keeping them in football games. So they're not winning games the way anyone expected right now. They're a good team, maybe not great. Like you mentioned, Uh, should be good enough to win the AFC South. We'll see if the offensive picture ever figures its life out Um, because as of yet, they're still kind of trying to figure it out. This is the first year with a new play caller and press Taylor, their offensive coordinator. So, uh, I think he's still trying to find find the groove there. The offensive line I mentioned was in shambles. So a, a lot of moving pieces for them. If the offense ever figures it out and the defense can keep forcing turnovers, then we could be talking about something late in the year. But that, that just hasn't come together yet. Jamal, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad we could hook up again. Hey, right now, it's a playoff preview. It's four versus five. So maybe we'll do it again down the road. That's right. Let's do it again in the postseason. Jamal State's here. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here on the Breakfast Events Podcast.